The Shaggy Jenkins Show. We have to make Russia great again. On the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show, all the way from the beautiful city of Pukalani, hot and sweltering as we wait for yet another natural disaster. Hey, speaking of natural disasters, we're going to be talking about a few today, including Kanye West, Brett Kavanaugh, Donald Trump, and a lot more. But before we get into all of that, welcome to my humble little show. My name is Shaggy Jenkins, critical thinker, problem solver, guy that is a mad scientist on the weekends, and always found at a couple of different places. One, our website, shaggyjenkins.com, and two, you can always look for our show on Stitcher and iTunes and subscribe that way. Oh, and we're also on Patreon, so make sure to look for The Shaggy Jenkins Show on Patreon. Joining us from the Windy City, where I understand there's this thing called a season change happening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome man in the middle, home base himself, Chris Base. Uh, you have overcome, for I am here. How you doing, Shaggy? How's it going, man? Man, I'm going to tell you, uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, we're getting into the local political season here, and of course, mm-hmm. if you think the national scene is crazy, you should follow some Maui politics right now. Things are kind of off the rail. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, well, things here in Chicago are quite the same. No, politics is always local. So uh, here locally, uh, the mayor of Chicago, Robbie Manuel, stepped down. He's not going to run for a third term. And everybody and the dog catcher and their grandmothers are putting their hat to run for the, the mayoral seat. So it's like 25 people at this point. I, I kid you not, everybody is going for the seat at this point. Jeez. So basically, we're going to see David Duke come out of the woodworks and be like, hey, I live on Lower South Side. You know what? It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> you really would. <laughs> oh, God. Well, speaking of Confederate squatters, let's talk about what's going on in the Senate right now. Uh, yes, this, yes. This Kavanaugh hearing has got a lot of people trying to win daytime Emmy awards. And before we talk about Brett Kavanaugh's uh, stellar performance last week, which, by the way, was succinctly satirized and skewered on Saturday Night Live over the weekend by one Matt Damon. Fantastic. I mean, I'm going to be first to admit, I don't watch Saturday Night Live like I used to. I do watch me have the political stunts, uh, the the imitations of Donald Trump by Alec Baldwin and things like that. They have been spot on with their... You know, interpretations of it. That's the only time I watch it. Other than that, I don't watch the show. But those parts right there, those little moments of nuggets in time, are priceless. You know, the thing that gets me too is because not since Melissa McCarthy's Sean Spicer have I seen somebody dedicate as much of their physical performance to mimicking the person they were going after. And Brett Kavanaugh does come across a bit as a, a little slapstick, huh? Well, he does. I mean, we'll get to the performance factor of what Brett Kavanaugh brought to the table at the um, at the uh, committee room there at Capitol Hill. It's, it's just that a lot of the stuff that you see and hear on Saturday Night Live comes from the original record. So when you it's so funny because it's funny in real life and it's funnier in performance pieces. So they're not really doing that much. And yeah, they'll, of course, you know, uh, saturate it and go over the top, which is what they do best. But a lot of testimony comes from the real source. Now, this is the thing that really gets me, because one performer went above and beyond for her little bit role in that skit. Can we mention Kate McKinnon's excellent impersonation of Lindsey Graham? (laughs) 
you know, with certain performers you see on there to get the round of applause with the audience, and you know they're going to bring it solid. She's always solid, man. I'm telling you, with the sudden drawl and, you know, uh, the so-called, you know, hate spewing and how, you know, how disgusted, you know, Lindsey Graham was. I mean, she she nailed it. I mean, I like I said, I enjoyed the skit. always enjoy her. And, you, and then you wonder why they go on to bigger, better things because they can come back and just nail it in just one piece performances and then move on to the movies and whatever projects that they have, but just fantastic stuff, man. Fantastic. I, I, I really like the fact that in during her little bit of stint on that skit, she nailed something that a lot of people are pointing out. Now, this is something that I put up over the weekend on social media, and I, Chris, I think I lost a few friends over this. I... I basically said with Lindsey Graham's performance, Brett Kavanaugh's performance, and then Trump at that off-the-rails kind of press conference that he did, is it now safe to say that white men are animals? Well, you don't want to go there. You know, but the portrayal is for what the portrayal is and, and what they come off as. You have your own lens. Anybody else can see for yourself. And what happens, I think Trump has given the okay and the green light to be this way. And when you think about what's going I'm not saying that he is the end all the be all when it comes to uh, how to conduct some, oneself in, in public eye, but in a position of power and authority, in a position of the presidency or being a senator or, uh, dare I say, judge, uh, when you look at these situations where it's okay to uh, talk about people, call out their names, and become mean spirited and, and things of that nature, it seems to be the norm because it starts from the top, and the top being 45 or who he is. And then it seems to be, okay, if he can do it, then it's okay for us to do it. And you see this type of temporal behavior, which we have not really seen that much before, not from a coast-to-coast standpoint, from, the, from, from looking at that lens where you say, you know what, this is not okay. But the ones I question, if the, you think it's okay, then something's wrong with you. I hate to say that. Yeah, because this is the thing that was so not okay about this theatrics. The Brett Kavanaugh hearing is taking us way outside of a judicial norm that we may never get back. And that norm is unbiased, calm, level-headed, objectionable. Okay? This is the thing that you look for in a good judiciary candidate. But... We are seeing, and in this trial, unlike any other before, and and I keep calling it a trial, it's not, it's a hearing. A lot of people were upset that it wasn't a trial. But during this hearing, what we are seeing time and time again is a politicizing of the judiciary branch. Now, when we talk about the three branches of government, judiciary was supposed to keep the politicizing out of its branch so that the other two branches would uh, basically do the right thing, right? Correct. So when we have Trump and Lindsey Graham all going about, this is an attacked man, this is an attacked man, we have Kavanaugh himself who says, I like beer. Oh, wait a minute. This is all a deep state political thing from the Clintons and people that hated Trump all against me. This is, for, for the biggest precedent-breaking moment of this whole trial, the one thing that we very, very, very much need to get out of this process, isn't it? Yes, but I, I think the damage has already been done, Shaggy. We've seen this happen too many times. And let's go back, for example, uh, what Brett Kavanaugh displayed uh, when he mentioned about 
you know, this is an attack on me and my family. I thought it was funny because, uh, you know, National Beer Day was Friday, so I figured he had a couple of squigs in. But that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you, when you look at how he came off attack mode and how upset he was and how, in fact, there was rumor, in fact, uh, CNN's Jim Acosta reported that the White House was applauding his efforts to be that dogmatic, to be that attack dog mentality. Now, when you watch what he is what he's going through, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he took bullet points from the White House, because, as you know, Trump was very disappointed with his appearance on Fox News with his wife. He feels, I mean, rumors said he was, he was too soft. He came off very meek and mild. And Trump doesn't like that. Trump wants you to be, you know, hardcore and, you know, fist in the air and, you know, get the, the what I call the white man's overbite, you know, mm. and, 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 and did that type of thing, type of, you know, uh, clutching uh, mentality, and he was upset with that, and that was his pick. So who's to say he didn't get any points from the White House to become that? And then he went, because once again, we went about the Clintons. Show me where the Clintons has anything to do with this. This is you. I know, right? You know, that sounds, that sounds more like Trump than, than Kavanaugh. So that's why I said it would surprise me. You've got you know some points from the White House. The thing is, is it really gets me too because it seems like his whole opening statement was made for an audience of one, of selling yes. himself back to the Donald as, yeah, I'm your guy. There didn't seem a whole lot. And this is the thing that really bothers me, especially, and we'll talk about Lindsey Graham's performance over the weekend when he was interviewed about all this stuff, but... I just want to bring up the the whole performance aspect of this. Everybody in this hearing seems to be performing either for the approval or disapproval of Trump's base right now and not the interests of the country as a whole. How dangerous is that? Extremely. Because in in a good world, or in a perfect world, no such thing as perfection, but let's go with this for the sake of argument. There should be bipartisanship. There should be trying to help the person or persons against uh, across the aisle and not be against each other. But what keeps everything going uh, is that everybody is against each other so vehemently that we'll never get things done. And maybe that was the plan to begin with, but for the sake of this discussion, it would be nice if people could put the differences to the side for the betterment of the American people. Now, once again, that's too much like right. What we're looking at is a strict contrast of uh, two different ideologies where it becomes at a fever pitch. And you're not thinking with your mind, you go with your heart and emotions and reactions. That is dangerous because nobody gets anything done. If we, if we all go by emotions, we can never sit down and have a decent conversation. And most likely, we'll never will. You know, and when it comes to decent conversations, that doesn't seem to be the primary interest of the GOP in this whole scenario anyway. They they seem to want to push this through as fast as possible. And and before we get to Lindsey Graham, we got to bring up Donald Trump because on Friday, under much pressure and consternation by his cabinet, he actually relented and said, okay, the FBI needs to open up an investigation. Immediately after saying that, they basically said, we will tell you the scope of the investigation, and it all has to be wrapped up in a week. Now, is this actually an investigation at this point, or is this a charade? I'll probably go with a charade. Uh, it, it would be 
very nice if there was independent FBI investigation. But look at look at the players involved, going back to uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Here's Dr. Ford coming out of obscurity to make herself public. She already mentioned about having death threats and her family having to move from one location to another home-wise. And her life has been literally topsy-turvy. She comes forward with all this information and says 100% this was Brett Kavanaugh that happened all those years ago. She said, I would submit to an FBI investigation. Let's, let's call it for what it is. When you do that, you must be very precise of your stories because you can be called out as a liar. And once again, once again, that's against the law. You can't lie. You put your hand up and swear, you know, to the committee there in the government. That's you'll be thrown in jail. So for you to make a statement that I'm going to submit to a FBI investigation, put my life on the line is what she's doing. And Brett Kavanaugh cannot. That right there, because look, look, no offense, Ray Charles in the state he's in right now can see that. Hmm. God, that's that's pretty bad considering the state that Ray Charles is actually in right now. And he can see it. And he can see it. Well, a lot of people can see it. And the thing that, and this is the, God, how do I say this? This is something very bothersome uh, uh, about this to me, is that when you talk about honesty, he's already lied during the course of this hearing when he was talking about the terminology of stuff in his yearbook. Now, They were sex acts. They were drinking acts. They were alleging that uh, women of loose morals existed around him at all times. But they were not drinking games, farting, and other things that Kavanaugh tried to play these these innocent-sounding but very, very dirty, really meaning words uh, actually meant. Why is it, Chris, that when white men are attacked, they try to change the actual meaning of the language that we use? Because I think what happens is that, for one thing, it's the embarrassment of being caught. And when you're caught, either you come forward and say, okay, you know how, you got me, you got me, let me tell you how it really was or how it really is, or you backpedal and create another lie. And that's what's going on here. Let's create another lie to go on top of the lie already told. So when you're dealing with that type of pressure, it's to say, okay, you fell for the other one. You're going to fall for this one. What liars do is that liars think that everybody's going to fall for the okie doke. Everybody falls for what they're saying, and they're the smart one in the room. What they don't realize is that they're the stupid ones. Everybody else catches on their lies from day one. And even when you're caught in a lie, it goes, okay, I'll continue to lie my way out of it. Yeah, and that's what they're trying to do. Lie and lie and lie some more. But... When we talk about Ford's testimony and inviting an FBI investigation, and then Kavanaugh responding when asked about an investigation, I wanted one the next day, that is, to use white people's language, not answering my question, sir. No, no, he, look, he was dancing around there like, you know, it was Soul Train or American Bandstand or wherever you go dance at, that's what he was trying to do. And he had two left feet. So if you have two left feet, you can't dance. Don't even attempt to. So if you once again, it doesn't play out. If you were so vehemently upset that you asked for investigation, all right, then here's the investigation now. Sign off on it. And he still didn't. Why? Because he continued to lie. Yeah. And it's like, this is the thing. When you talk about like the the rough 
aggressive, what I called animalistic behavior of these white guys during the course of this whole public circus. A lot of the barking and yapping and gnashing of teeth came out about this all being politicized by the Democrats. But look, let's just be honest. If the parties were switched and the Democratic president tried to put forth an accused, an alleged sexual serial assaulter, the outcry from the Republicans would be damn exactly the same, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it would be the classic off of their heads type mentality. And what happens is the media, I've always heard since I got involved in broadcasting, the media is liberal. The liberal media, especially, you know, the the era of Rush Limbaugh. The liberal media, you people. Well, from my experience, the media is an opportunist. It doesn't matter if it's liberal or conservative. As long as the story gets out, it doesn't matter because for them, it's about getting that story out and whatever uh, leads the, the, the news day. Now, that's just my experience. But what happens, we look at this particular scenario where if you were to flip the script and it was Democrats doing this, yeah, it's the same thing. But, but, it, but see, again, it's embarrassment. It's about trying to keep a face for the party. So, for example, let's go back to Dr. Ford's testimony. If the if the GOP and the Republicans were to come out against her, then in the light, they would be the bad guys because they would be beating up on a poor, defenseless woman who's just trying to do the right thing. So they knew what to do. They had to play it safe, close to the vest, and give her her time, and then go from there and then politely state that, they didn't uh, pretty much agree with that, but they couldn't be dogmatic about it. They could not They could not have taken the approach that Kavanaugh did after her testimony. They could not go after her like that. So they played it very smooth and very calmly, but still it's the fact that you talk about acting before in this early conversation. Yes, they act all the time. They know when to hype it up and know when to calm it down. Yeah. Well, in this case, too, there's something that I'd like to bring up is that as close as they tried to play it to the vest— They did one thing, one very telling thing, at least in my opinion, that shows that they did not intend to take Christine Blasey Blasey Ford's testimony serious from the onset. And that is, they hired a female interpreter. Yes. Now, this is the thing that, that, that always bothers me, because SNL skewered this really well when they kept saying the female prosecutor it was like why is her genitalia not the second part her actual title the important thing that we're discussing and it it seems to me chris that that that's a that's a culture of men that don't think that women are on their level oh absolutely you know it goes back to the old james brown song it's a man's world and it's a nice song, and you like it. You understand what James is talking about, the particular song. Go right ahead. I get it. I love James Brown. I take it as a song. I don't take it as a way of life. And But when guys take it as a way of life, it becomes a, a, a mantra or things of that nature. They do have to start having issues. You might as well go back to, to the uh, days of the caveman. And that's the problem with certain people in position of power. They have that caveman mentality that they are the greatest thing since sliced bread or squeeze bottle ketchup, and everybody else is just, you know, secondary, third, fourth, or fifth in the line of succession. And so that's the same thing that happened for years between men and women. So, yeah, in their minds, let's make sure that we say it's a female uh, prosecutor. Well, okay, Rachel Mitchell is obviously a female. 
You don't have to use the word female, but in their mentality, since we have a female to testify of her experiences, let's have a female prosecutor to talk on our behalf. So, yeah, it's all wording, but it's disrespectful wording. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if that's going to set a precedence, can I please demand that every time a black man goes in front of a judge, we have a black judge and a black attorney? Right. Well, you know, you, you got to stay, you know, you got to tell the place with the scorecard. You know, you need, they need to know who, you know, who's who here. But yeah, it shouldn't be that way. But of course, when you have that language and people subscribe to it, they latch on because they speak the same language you do. So if you're a person that says, OK, I want myself a black lawyer or a black judge or a white female, dot, 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 whatever. Yeah, it shouldn't be that way. But people speak that way because they deem it necessary. Mm, you know, and, and the thing that really gets you is like, how low do you have to go as as far as the GOP? How low do you have to go to set up this whole charade in front of the nation and then still come across misogynistic because you don't think that a woman is worth your time to talk to? It's better if uh, the lady folks talks amongst themselves. Well, you know, that goes back to the days of Tupperware parties and things of that nature, you know, let the women do all that. That You might as well go back to being barefoot and pregnant. Let's call for what it is. And once again, that's a beyond misogynistic, beyond Cro-Magnum mentality. And unfortunately, it still exists. And even though women have made, have made great strides over the years, whether it's through the recent Me Too movement or women's live back in the day, or even, you know, the suffrage of voting in the 1800s, they have always been at the forefront. But again, when you have to reclaim who you are because you're dealing with somebody who's just completely ignorant or choose to be ignorant of who you are, they have to reestablish the dialogue for what it is. Once again, not a lie, but a truth. Mm, yeah, but the truth is not what they're trying to go after. It seems the truth that they want is, hey guys, we're in control and we're going to get this guy on the panel. Now, over the weekend, Lindsey Graham basically took to the media circuit and said that Brett Kavanaugh behaved like a man who was wrongly accused. And, and anybody can see that this is all the Democrats' fault. And the reactions that Republicans are displaying now is righteous indignation and and it's justified. Now, do you agree with that statement? No, of course not. No, I do, I do not. And I'll tell you why I do not agree with that. Lindsey Graham, since I watched him, especially when Trump got into office, has flip-flop all the time when it comes between Trump's issues and his issues. There are times we agree with the president and times where he doesn't. So I don't know where exactly where he's coming from. I know that obviously at the end of the proverbial day, he has to be loyal to his party. But there are times where I caught him at points where he does disagree with the president. He's been on talk shows like The View on ABC or on a Stephanopoulos show on, you know, the morning show on Sunday mornings or whatever. He, you catch him at a certain point, he'll disagree. So there's no disagreement, but what, the, what, what, what he does best is backtrack and gets back on the side of Trump. That's what he does best. It does seem like he is auditioning for a, a role in a new cabinet, doesn't it? Well, of course. I mean, it's about power and privilege. Whoever's in power gives out the privileges. And he's no better than any other senator out there, Democrat or Republican. That's that's what people do when you're in that environment. Well, hell, when you're in an environment, period, you could be in corporate America. You want to move yourself up to get a higher uh, position of power, give you out the privileges, have a staff that works with you, or depending on your mentality, work under you, get a higher 
uh, salary and pay, get into a higher tax bracket. So it's all about moving up, and I understand that. But it's the way to do it without being disrespectful. Unfortunately, people would do it in a second. They would stab their own mother in the back. Yeah. To advance them, to advance themselves. And this time it does seem like we're kind of kowtowing to a guy with white supremacy leanings in Donald Trump. Well, you know what I always said, Shaggy, if if people who subscribe to that, who say that once again what the president's doing at times is okay, I don't think that person's okay. I think there's always been the person or persons out there who have always been bullied or felt that uh, they need to uh, amp it up, or they are the bully themselves, uh, or they feel that they need someone to so-called speak for them. And here comes 45, before he was 45, saying these things. Oh, he, he talks like us. He, you know, he's he's out there speaking for us. And, you know, when you see those, when he's stomping for other politicians in the Republican Party, and you see the whole, let's make America great again, you know, caps, you know, the MAGA caps and everything else, whatever. And you see these people, these people don't understand that he's not really for you. This is the same president who said in the recent stopping that if I get impeached, it's your fault. Yeah. He told he told his own people that and this is the yeah no it's not yay. It did he just called he just told you that if he gets impeached, it's your fault and you'll go along with it. And this is the thing that I don't think people understand. If we put another sexual offender on the Supreme Court, it's their fault as well. Yay! And everybody's still applauding. Oh, God. So at the end of the day, it seems like we are basically appealing to these type of people that no matter how much they exist in the main population are the staunchest supporters of our current administration. And and basically, that's the way it's going to be, huh? Unfortunately, it's true. You have people who are staunch Trump-based supporters or the ones who are who don't make it public, it's like having a dirty little secret. You know, okay, I'll shut up to anybody really for Trump, but in public, I'll be against them. In private, I I will be. So you have those people too uh, scatter out through America. The thing about also all of this is, in a time where you would think to be more advancement in our country, in 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 our politics, we're going backwards in time, people. And I hope you see the revelations of. You can go back to your own historical facts of seeing where parallel situations... Well, okay, uh, the whole Brett Kavanaugh. It has shades of uh, Clarence Thomas. Oh, God. All over again. It the is. exact same thing. Well, I tell you what. We've got to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got more news to cover. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. This is Scientific American's 60-Second Science. I'm Christopher Intagliata. If there's a fifth Indiana Jones movie, Indy might want to use one of the hottest new tools revolutionizing archaeology, LIDAR, or Light Detection and Ranging, which allows archaeologists to survey ancient sites from the skies. Think of an impressionistic painting. The closer you look at the painting, you see the brush strokes. When you pull away, suddenly it's obviously the face of a woman in a park or something. Your brain can sort of interpolate the stuff better at a certain distance. Marcello Canuto, an archaeologist at Tulane University. LIDAR allows us to see all these small little features that close up look like little pixels of data that we're not sure what to do with, but when you zoom out... Oh, there it is, clear as day. The technology works a lot like radar, but it shoots laser pulses instead of radio waves to 3D map a landscape. 
In 2016, it was used to map over 800 square miles of Guatemalan jungle, including the area around the famous tourist site Tikal. Canuto remembers when he and his colleagues first saw the footage. One hour went into two, went into three. We, we just lost track of time. It got dark outside. We were just, you know, open mouths. We couldn't believe what we could be seeing. What they discovered, after careful analysis, were buildings in areas they'd already excavated and big landscape-level features like canals and roads, bridges, ditches, and walls. It was a very humbling moment for all of us, <laughs> you know, to be able to see, like, wow, that was under our feet the whole time and we really didn't recognize it. Overall, the density of structures suggests a population of somewhere between 7 and 11 million people in the region, more than 1,000 years ago, which aligns with previous estimates. Maps, photos, and a catalog of what they found are in the journal Science. Nearly 100 years ago, the famous aviators Anne and Charles Lindbergh flew over some of the same swaths of jungle, taking photographs from the sky, partly in hopes of aiding archaeologists. It was very early appreciated that under the jungle canopy, there was a lot to see. But if we could only see through the jungle canopy. Now we can. And it's a foundation, Canuto says, for an entirely new era in archaeology. Thanks for listening. For Scientific American's 60 Second Science, I'm Christopher Intagliata. Warning. Too much consumption of the Shaggy Jenkins Show could result in a higher IQ, a better understanding of the world, and not being called a f***ing idiot as much. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show all the way from the 50th state of Hawaii on the beautiful Valley Isle of Maui. Aloha and welcome back. If you've never heard of this show before, Oh my God, you really have got to check out this show. Uh, do yourself a favor, go to the website shakyjinkets.com or wherever find social media is trolled by Russians and dating sites at Shaggy Live. Uh, make sure to give us a follow there. Also on Patreon, Stitcher, iTunes, j- just look for the Shaggy Jenkins Show. Another guy that is all over the place. He's on your dial, he's on your internet, and he's in your hearts. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Chris Bass. Yes, I am. Thank you, Shaggy. I appreciate it all. The uh, second opening you gave me. I'm telling you, I, I am broke. The ATM is closed. I can't pay no more, but it means a lot to me. You make my one-fourth of my Native American heart sore when you say things like that. Ah, yes. Well, I am chief running mouth from time to time. <laughs> and And speaking of people that are chief among running their mouths or running their mouths about the chief... Can we just have a little aside discussion about what the hell is wrong with Ye West? Yeah, that's right. He uh, changed his name before he went on the air there Saturday Night Live. Um, okay, so he goes on there and he, I guess he's trying to, I don't know, rap like he used to, I don't know. But he's pro-Trump. He has a pro-Trump rant. Uh, during this time, uh, to the effect of booze from the audience, or made the audience very feel uh, very uncomfortable during this time. Um, let me say this up front: uh, being from Chicago, so is uh, I, I call him Kanye. I'm sorry, I can't get through the A stuff. Uh, Kanye West, before all this happened, from my eyes and ears, a brilliant original rap performer, lyricist, and creator. Never, nothing like I ever heard before in my entire life. His uh, first album, Collins Dropout. I mean, was a was a game changer. That guy was through the roof. And sometimes when certain people get comfortable with money and status, they kind of forget where they come from. That's 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 to be said of all of us if we're not careful. But with him, because everybody looked at him as the next one, 
He's next up, and everything else, and and this, the polar shift he has taken in his life. Um, I I disagree vehemently with what he says. He has the right to uh, feel this way or to support his guy Donald Trump. I don't personally don't see it, uh, but and on a serious note, everybody makes fun of him. But for me, seriously, his mother, Dr. Donde West, who's taught studies at uh, Chicago State University here on the South Side had passed away years ago. A lot of people who know him personally have said since his mother passed away, he has not been the same person. He's taken these other, I don't know, thoughts and and and, and not having guidance or maybe maybe he didn't whatever uh as they say, maybe he didn't mourn correctly. I mean there's such a thing to do that. Maybe they had the right support group to mourn. As you know, losing a mother, losing somebody, but in this situation, losing a mother, the person who gave you life, I can't even fathom that. My mother's still alive Thank God. I can't put my mind around that. So from an empathetic standpoint, I, I it's hard to give him a free pass. And he moved back to Chicago recently from Calabasas there in California. I I hope that maybe he can find some semblance of his roots. Maybe that would help. But last night, eh, it's the same, if not worse, uh, crazy. And I do mean K-R-A-Z-Y. Crazy Kanye West all over again. Well, this is the thing that I'm going to bring up, and oh God, I hope this is not a controversial statement because I'm about to say that Kanye West, at least in one thing that he said, one tiny, tiny little thing that he said, mm. Kanye was right, but in being right, he got it really, really wrong. Okay, mm. let's explain the part that Kanye was right because this this hurts because this is why um, we have such a hard time understanding how history shaped us. When you have a guy like Kanye, uh, yay, um, Mr. West, uh, whoever he is this week, Adam West right. next week, that would be cool. That you might be on the something. Okay, but uh, anyway, one Adam West here. Um, if he. Uh, if he decided to come out and say truthfully, hey, black people were not always Democrats, that's actually very, very truthful. But, he is right about that. I agree. Yeah, and, and let's not forget, during the post-Reconstruction uh, period of the Civil War, when the Republican Party was still very new and very fresh, they put in more freed slaves and more legislative office than any other of the existing, I think there were three other major parties at that time. So when we talk about the Republican Party, we have to talk about the rhino scenario. Republican in name only. Be because, see, when Kanye West, and, and this is the thing that I, I've got to bring up with you, because out in Chicago, you and your parents were not exposed to this reshaping under Nixon and Spiro Agnew that the Republican Party took during the 70s. That is called the Southern Strategy. So, Chris, before I explain what the Southern Strategy is, did you want, do, do you, um, because you are from Chicago, much like Mr. Ye is, um, ye, ye West, okay, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't he be ye Midwest at this point? Okay, anyway, but, um, <laughs> the thing is, is about his statement, when he says that, 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 that black men used to be overwhelmingly Republican, does he understand that the Republican Party went through a massive shift in the 1970s? 
That's a very good question, Shaggy. That I don't know because I don't obviously know what his mindset becomes to that or his historical standpoint. Does he know about that or familiar with it? But um, you're right. From a historical standpoint, you are correct about Republicans and black folk, especially when you mentioned about Civil War and uh, how Abraham Lincoln, being Republican, they wanted to align themselves with him because they, quote-unquote, were freed under him uh, during that time. Yeah, I, I get that historical content. The thing about it is you, you look at Kanye's perception of Republicans. And don't be wrong, it's a mixed bag because most older black people, from my experiences, have always been conservative in their thinking. They just weren't conservative as a party. So in the conservative thing, they believed in morals, you know, believed in, you know, uh, having a nine to five and raising children and paying your back. And the thing across the board, I'm talking about Republicans in particular. And their conservative thinking has always been that way, but they weren't under a party that was not Republican, they were Democrats. So there is a, a fine line between both parties in a historical standpoint with black folk. But I think that if he was to, I don't know, maybe understand more about the historical content of it, maybe might change his mind. I don't think uh, the way he's going right now, I don't think it will happen. I'd be surprised if it did happen. But uh, nothing wrong with knowing your history and yeah. quoting some great sources where you can get factual uh, content. Now, this is the thing. During the 1970s, there was this reshaping of the Republican Party under a guy that Trump seems to mirror a lot. Richard Nixon, and it was called the right. Great Southern Strategy. Now, during mm -hmm. the course of the Great Southern Strategy, they took all of those racist, segregationist Dixiecrats and told them that the Republican Party had a sweeter deal for them. All they had to do was make sure that Nixon made it to office. And that's how the first term of Richard M. Nixon was won. So, Chris... When Kanye started blaring out about how black men don't understand history, it was like, yeah, you're actually right on that, and you're showing the example of it. But I think you're <laughs> the only one. Well, look, I mean, it's not like he has access to not having a platform. He is his own platform. Maybe he wants to educate folk about that. I don't know if he will or not. It would be interesting if he did. I mean, once again... You know, the so-called, quote-unquote, mad ramblings of him, you said before, he got that one right, and I do concur wholeheartedly that he didn't get that one right. It's just that sometimes, because of everything else that he said, other nuggets may not be heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when it comes to how he said it, he was basically using the same methodology that he was damning. You've been lied to about these things. And it's like, and now you're doing it as well. Well, he doesn't see it like that, obviously, because if he did, he wouldn't say anything about it at all. Um, for someone to give the example that you've been lied to, but you have been lied to, too, if, you have, if that's a, a terminology phrase we can use for the conversation, then come on, man. You know, once again, you have to consider the source of the whole thing. And, and that becomes an issue of credibility. And he, he did make some very good points uh, about uh, that. He mentioned about, you know, uh, just because he had the cap on, people should not tell him how he should think. He was right about that. But overall, when you, quote, quote, lose the audience, and once again, the people were there to be entertained. They had their uh, 
laughing point about the Kavanaugh skit earlier in the show. They didn't expect this. Who who expected it? It was just un, unprecedented on the show. And so you don't know how to react to that. Mm. And that's why people kind of feel uncomfortable. I would feel uncomfortable if I was in an audience and I'm trying to enjoy the show. And then here comes uh, Mr. West. Uh, yee, yay, oh, yee haw, whatever you're going to change his name to. And he's standing on the stage, you know, going on about his politics and stuff. I'm like, okay, dude, I really come here for this. I know it's a choice, you know, but it is what it is. I respect dude for what he's accomplished, where he is in his life. I disagree about his politics and who he cited himself with before 45. But still, I would prefer personally an outside platform to do that from. Yeah, because, see, here's the thing that really bothers me about that whole display. Kanye West starts off by saying, I'd like to thank y'all for giving me this platform. It's like, so SNL invited you here for that speech. That seems to be his legitimate thinking. Yeah, it was disturbing. I mean, it was disturbing from the standpoint of, again, you're not, we're not there for this. But we had no other choice if for people who watched it. And it made for fodder. It made for news. We're talking about it right now. So it did its purpose. But again, if if they were to, I don't know, let him do his do do song, whatever it was, and let it be, a, a, let that be the end of it. That would have been cool as well. In fact, it would I think would have been okay. But you said they gave him the platform, which he did much about platform, and he did use it. Then there you go. But again, you being Kanye, you you are the platform. Like I said earlier, just do it somewhere else. I mean, he did it on SNL. Okay, in the books, it is what it is. But we had to go back, uh, get our own time machines, and and rewrite history if we could. I would prefer uh, Mr. West to do it somewhere else. Ah, God, so would I. And the, the thing is, too, is like when I was watching this whole thing, this is the funny part to me because I am, of course, a connoisseur of people's weird roles that they had in their early career. And of all people to be standing on the side of the stage looking in the camera and mouthing off the words, oh my God, is Pookie from New Jack City, Chris Rock. <laughs> Now, whenever yeah. you do something that makes a man like Pookie, you know, who was under Nino Brown, which let's just go ahead and say Nino Brown, things did not work good for him. No, three, it did not. Three letters, I-R-S. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to Pookie, what kind, of a, what kind of a weird tangent do you have to go on to get that strong a reaction from another performer known for making outlandish and lambastic public statements. The thing about Chris Rock I always admired, for not only the fact that he is a student and was a great admirer of Eddie Murphy, was the fact that he was able to carve out his own niche and, and name and become and become his own person. And Chris Rock was one of the most intelligent free thinkers in the, in the realm of comedy that I've seen in a very long time. So people like him, um, going up to back to the great, uh, late uh, George Carlin, those guys make you think. And Chris Rock is in the same realm for I'm concerned. So for him to get that reaction, he looked at that and knew that the ship was sinking, that the ship was getting ready to go down with the captain, uh, Admiral, uh, Mr. West, as far as he was concerned. And then you're right there in the moment, I don't imagine what that feels like. And so he realized that, okay, we're, we're here. We didn't sign up for this, but here we go. 
God, we we're here. We we're along for the ride. You know, keep your you know hands and arms inside the ride, boys and girls, and you know, lock up because it's about to be one. And it, and it was one, and it was a very scary one to boot. Yeah, and the thing about that very scary ride is, look, I hate to bring this up, but can we have a very serious discussion about Kanye West and his views on bipolar depression making him stronger? Last last Saturday Night Live's display of him just coming out at this off-camera, kind of free-wheeling speech, to me, doesn't show a man that is not only unattached from the actual lessons of history, but it shows, it, it, it kind of shows a scary, once again, public symptom of a mental illness that Kanye West has admitted time and time and time again since his mother's death he's not properly treating. If people really love this man, then you get to the classic intervention group. And maybe they have, but let's go for the conversation again about he doesn't have one. People who really, truly love him, like his wife, uh, like his family, would get together and say, you know what, let's, let's center you with love and get you better help. And it's all entirely up to him because everybody has free will and he wants to be a part of that or not. And so that would be, a, I think, a better f- solution than formula to help him. Now, I know people who are bipolar. It's not the easiest struggle to go through. I mean, it's a, I didn't know about bipolar until I worked with a guy here in Chicago who I was producing. He was the host. I know what bipolarism was. So he, you know, broke it down to me. He's a great friend of mine. And, and in fact, um, I dare say that he was also one of my radio influences at talk radio. And having said all that, uh, I have an affinity for it because knowing somebody personally with that type of struggle. So he, meaning Kanye, if the people again around him loved him, they would do that for him because he could be maybe a different or dare I say better version of himself if that was under control. Oh, God, yeah. And the thing is, is when we're talking about being better versions of people, Kanye, uh, time and time and time again, and this is the this is another little aside kind of argument, but I'm going to bring it up because we're talking about it. Kanye seems to do a lot to denigrate the people that not only he's a part of, but who buy and support his music. Why is it that we keep supporting an artist that time and time again, in public tirade after public tirade, he basically calls people that aren't following his every word stupid? Because deep down inside, people want to see a train wreck. It's just like the people back in the days of Roman Greco, when you saw the the people in the stadium, the Coliseums fighting lions and, and panthers, different obvious, you know, creatures of nature that can destroy people because they want to see blood. You have people who rubberneck during, you know, traffic accidents. People innately want to see blood, quote unquote, and want to see a train wreck. So what they're doing, as far as I'm concerned, let's keep on supporting him. Let's not, you know, try to, you know, get him the help that he needs. Let him continue on until he just falls out. Hmm. And then we sit back and say, oh, man, well, yeah, it was coming. Yeah, we kind of saw it coming. No, no. If you if you had any type of human decency and heart, you would try to help the man. Even if you was, even if you look, the great thing about social media nowadays is that you get on there and every word that you say will be on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. 
So who to say there's certain fans out there that say, you know what, Kanye, we love you. Dude, get some help. You know what I'm saying? You know, it, it, it's not like he won't see because obviously he reads his post with people posting on his Twitter page and accounts. So maybe the more people come out and say that, maybe it might just trigger something to get some help. Mm, yeah. Because, see, here's the thing about all of this stuff, because when we talk about people that show outward signs of unraveling, let's talk just a little bit about a different group of people. See, this is something that has just fascinated me, because over the weekend, Beto O'Rourke's numbers and prestige jumped highly because of his reaction to what happened to Ted Cruz and his wife last week. Now, I know a lot of people are going, oh, God, guys, that is such old news. But it's not because it's still unraveling. So, Chris, first off, when it comes to disagreeing with public officials, is getting shouted out of restaurants now need to be considered a legitimate part of the job? I wouldn't say... It's a legitimate part of the job, but I will say the following, that whoever is being shouted at or towards should take that message to heart. And this is why I say it, because whether it was Ted Cruz, and even before that was Sarah Huckabee Sanders being, you know, shouted out at a lot of a restaurant, but here with Ted Cruz and his wife, people are not falling for these lies. They're not. People are tired of being lied to. People who are maybe following the GOP and maybe they are conservatives and maybe they are, you know, part of the Republican Party. They vote, but they don't like the way they come off on a national front. Maybe they don't. Maybe get tired of battling with their own family members or co-workers because your president is who he is. And then you have other people who are constituencies who feel that, you know, I'm embarrassed and I'm and I'm tired of people like a, a Senator Ted Cruz who is embarrassing me as a constituent, as a voter for the Republicans. So it may not be the right thing to do, but they should take heed to it. People are tired. And that's the reason why they get booed at or shout out at restaurants because they see them. They're tired of biting their tongue. Again, it's not the way to do it, but they should take heed to these people doing that. Now, this is the thing, because when... This whole aftermath started to unravel in the media. One of the things that people did take heed of was Ted Cruz's competition. The Democratic uh, contender, Beto O'Rourke, who strongly defended Ted Cruz's right to be able to go out and eat a meal. And in the aftermath of it, over the weekend, it was reported that in some polls, now Beto O'Rourke leads Ted Cruz in the polls by six points. Right. And now, as close as we are to election day, is this one of those weird, um, what they call collateral effects of something? The reason why he's up that much, the reason why the president up that much is because of the fact that it's a human condition. Now, you know, the opponent could have, you know, reveled in that and say, yeah, go forward. But it's like, you know what? I'm going to step out and say he doesn't deserve that. That is a human condition. That's a human being to another human being saying he doesn't deserve it. Mm. You know, and the, that goes a long way. I, I think it's it's kind of funny because Ted Cruz, who even by the president himself has been accused of having inhuman-like qualities, Ted Cruz mm-hmm. has been remarkably silent when it comes to Beto O'Rourke's 
well wishes. And this is the thing that really gets me. Even in the aftermath of the whole Beto O'Rourke defending him, Ted Cruz released a statement to his voters that was considered very dog-whistle-ish. And, and that was the post that he made the, uh, about showing Beto O'Rourke in his own words. And it was basically O'Rourke inside of a black-led denomination church saying police brutality is wrong. Is that dog whistling or what? You know what? What what people have to realize is that when you look at these opponents who are going for a high office in the land, no matter if it's local or national, they'll do whatever it takes to get to that position. And sometimes, obviously, feelings will be hurt or things on those lines. Dog whistling. Well, look, you're dealing with going against an opponent who, again, this is the same man who was going for the presidency right along uh, at the time with Trump and, what, 16 other people. Yeah. So he has a history. So you have to fight against that history and the experience that person has. Um, I think on the side note real quick, it would have been nice if Ted Cruz would have said, now, I don't know if you saw anything, should I get now, so quote me on this or correct me. Did uh, uh, Senator Cruz come out and tell Beto O'Rourke that he appreciated him saying uh, those things about him from the standpoint of going out in public and having a meal not being uh, showered at? Did he thank him for that? I, you know, I'm going to look this up real quick, but I don't remember any sort of uh, public... Like, see, the thing is, is like, Ted Cruz is always an understated... Okay, yeah, it's it's his face, mostly. Uh, he's <laughs> It's an understated uh, kind of thing. And and here's, here's the... Oh, my God. You're not going to believe this. No, Ted Cruz never thanked Beto O'Rourke. Okay. 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 So it's so good to I, see... I, yeah, go ahead. Civility's not dead in politics, apparently. There we go. No, of course not. Of course, just checking. <laughs> yeah, but see, that's that's something else, is because back in the day of good political discourse, I mean, everybody is very fondly remembering John McCain not too long ago in his defense of the person he was running for the highest office in the land, Barack Obama. Now, yes. When are we ever going to get to a point when if if people come out and say, look, politics is politics, life is life, and you guys just basically messed up this guy's life, when are we going to get to the point where discourse is allowed to exist diplomatically again? Again, it's a very loaded question. I, I don't see it happening. It has to be completely erased because of who's in office. And I've always said that the person in office always dictates uh, the temperature of the country. And depending on what type of temperature that you're comfortable with, uh, it's going to be embraced or obviously not embraced. So when you're looking at the having a, just a, a peaceful discourse of conversation and not name calling and not being belligerent or sometimes I, – but I hate to say, let's go back real quick to the whole thing with the Kavanaugh hearings and you had – uh, Chuck Grassley, the chairman. I mean, that guy, the only thing I was missing from him being so, just so brutally mean-spirited was him saying, get off my lawn, you kids. God, yeah. He, he was just, he was just that we re- almost removed from that because he just so, dude, 
I mean, look, I, I know you have experience in, the, you know, in, in politics. We understand that. You're the chairman. We, that's respected. But his just overall rudeness and, you know, I, I can picture him with the summertime Hawaiian shirt on and the khaki shorts and the black, you know, uh, uh, you know dress socks and sandals. Yeah, we call those howlies. And speaking of get off my lawn, you've got to get off this show. Hey, uh, until oh, next time, everybody, stay safe. Love you, meet it. Get it, bye.